Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we focus on the under-representation of black managers in European football. While African stars have lit up the leagues of Europe as players, Africans have made virtually no impact as managers in Europe. More than that, there's a general lack of what are called BAME managers in English football. BAME standing for Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic. We ask what the way forward is. When Barack Obama was president of the United States, everyone was like, wow, like a black president, maybe one day. I can become that. But we need similar examples in football. Plus, Emmanuel Adebayor makes a surprise move to Paraguay and a look at the English Premier League and Italy's Serie A. But let's start with the storm at the Confederation of African Football as an audit has revealed numerous areas of concern over CAF's accounting, governance and payments. The audit found that CAF's accounting was unreliable and not trustworthy. Some 35 out of 40 large payments, totaling more than $8 million, were termed unusual. And CAF's presidential office, it was found, was directly involved in the controversial decision to employ tactical steel. There's a little known gym equipment manufacturer to become a key supplier of sportswear. Numerous other issues included demotivated staff. Now, the audit first leaked last weekend and CAF issued a statement dismissing the allegations, but there's pressure now for a more comprehensive response. And we'll be following the story here on Planet Sport Football Africa. Now to the CAF Super Cup, uh, as the annual clash between the Champions League winners and the Confederation Cup champions will again be played outside of Africa, with Esperance of Tunisia hosting Egyptian giants Zamalek in Qatar on Friday. Esperance having won the Champions League last year in a game that ended in chaos. Now, last year, CAF decided that the Super Cup would be played in Qatar until 2021, rather than the tradition of the Champions League winners hosting the match. It might sound like a strange arrangement, but tickets were sold out four days ahead of the game. Uh, so, Ida, what do you think about having the CAF Super Cup in Qatar in Asia rather than in Africa? We, we saw what happened the last time that a CAF club final of any sort was played in Africa. And uh, safe to say none of us want to see a repeat of that, you know. Uh, but yeah, I was also actually pleasantly surprised that the tickets uh, sold out so quickly. You know, it could be indicative of something deeper. Although I still think at the end of the day that we should strive to host African competitions in Africa. Uh, but looking at Qatar, look, it's not new to hosting the CAF Super Cup. As you said there, it hosted the 2019 edition and it will host this and uh, the next edition. Yet another chance, I think, uh, for Qatar to host a big sports competition, um, you know, in readiness of uh, the major one that will be coming up, uh, that being uh, the World Cup in 2022. But, you know, going back to CAF, in all honesty, Steve, I think that anything CAF related has to come with some level of drama, you know, and I think we just have to get used to it. Um Remember that Zamalek had last year announced that they wouldn't play the match in Qatar. 
you know, for political reasons before ultimately rescinding uh, their decision, going by how the tickets have sold. I'm sure they're not too sad about that. And um, it was announced that the very experienced, award-winning South African referee Victor Gomez will be officiating the match. Just another feather on his cap, I would imagine. And Steve, don't forget that these two teams have also been drawn in the CAF Champions League quarterfinal. Now, that first leg is uh, scheduled for February 29th in Cairo. So we will definitely be seeing these two teams facing off a lot in the coming weeks. Oh yes, that'll be interesting. And now in transfer news, Morocco's Hakim Ziyech is heading to Chelsea at the end of this season from Ajax. No doubt one of the best African players right now and every chance that Ziyech will do well with the Blues. This signing is the first by manager Frank Lampard following Chelsea's transfer ban. And one of the great legends of African football, Emmanuel Adebayor, has completed a surprise move to a club in Paraguay called Olympia. Former Arsenal striker Adebayor is now 35. He was without a club following a brief spell with Turkish side Kayserispor. His other clubs include Monaco, Tottenham, Manchester City, Crystal Palace and Real Madrid. Uh, this is an interesting move to Paraguay, isn't it, Ida? Well, it's quite interesting and uh, some would actually be forgiven for thinking that, look, maybe it's about time that uh, Adebayo retires. However, there is the other side of uh, the fence who would say that the likes of Drogba retired at 40. So there is time. And um, yeah, I do believe that those are both valid sides of uh, the argument. Well, Adebayo or uh, Adeba, (laughs) as uh, many call him on this side of Africa, Steve, is 35 years old, as you've said. And uh, this will actually be his 10th club. And uh, this move will find him uh, reuniting with former Man City striker, that being Roque Santa Cruz, who is the club captain at Olympia. Uh, Adebayo scored 97 Premier League goals, and it's hoped that at least somewhat um, he can be able to get back some of that mojo, at least for Olympia, uh, who are gunning for a fifth straight league title. Now, I do think that already gives uh, our listeners, Steve, just a bit of insight into just how competitive um, the Paraguayan league really is. But look, nonetheless, uh, the club president actually promised to to sign the Togolese um, also as a marketing gimmick, if you ask me, because uh, he promised to do it only if the club signed an additional 20,000 season ticket holders, Steve. I would imagine, you know, just for the sake of watching the the veteran and the legend. So this very much looks to be a mutually beneficial transaction. But then again, Steve, you know, (laughs) aren't most of them. Well, yes, they are. And you have to admire Adebayo's persistence, as you say, Ida, in keeping his professional career going. Well, thanks a lot to Ida. Now to our main topic this week, that's the under-representation of black managers in European football. While African stars like Didier Drogba, Samuel Eto'o, JJ Okocha and George Weir have lit up the leagues of Europe as players, Africans have made virtually no impact as managers in Europe. More than that, there's a general lack of what are called BAME managers in English football. BAME standing for Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic. 
So Chris Hewton, who's of Ghanaian descent and has managed Brighton and Newcastle, is one of the highest profile BAME managers. Now, Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint spoke to Gabriel Ajala, a former England under-15 and under-17 international of Nigerian heritage living in England. And Liam first asked if this is a particular problem for England. I wouldn't say England in particular. As I've mentioned before, we see a lot of uh, BAME football players, but it's more so just the opportunities. So, for example, we've seen with England giving BAME coaches an opportunity. So, for example, we've seen Chris Powell who's been shadowing a guy of Southgate. And those opportunities to actually give these BAME coaches, make them realise that opportunities do exist. And obviously, on a big platform like that with England, obviously it's a good opportunity, but it really needs to be rolled out and not just the same one managers being given the same opportunities. In England, it is a problem, but definitely across the board, especially in Europe, um, a lot more can be done. And you've already mentioned the Rooney rule. Now, for people who don't know what that is, it's basically a rule that states that every time a club is advertising for a vacancy, be it manager or anything else, they've got to Mm -hmm. interview at least one person from a black Asian minority ethnic background. So for you, how far does that go as a rule to rebalancing the scales? Is that a big change? Are you pleased with that? Well, for me, I believe um, it's a change and it's a change in the right direction, which is always good. So we can't knock that. Whereas other people say, well, it's just a tick box exercise. And to be honest, it is. It's a rule being enforced. You want this to happen naturally and more generically. But I think it's a step in the right direction. But again, it's about these owners and organisations and the recruitment process. Are you just doing it because we have to? Or are you actually looking for the right candidate to give people opportunities it just takes a lot of time for actual fame coaches to be given opportunities and see those opportunities that they actually exist. It could be seen as a bit of a, a divisive thing, though, couldn't it? Because like you just said, managers, they don't want to be judged by their backgrounds, how they look. Yeah. They want to be based on their skill and mm-hmm. their, their suitability for the role. Ethnicity shouldn't even come into it. So it could be yeah. either way. It could be a frustration for some and it could be an answer for others. I think the aim of it is good. How people perceive that, it's down to them. But I think the aim of it is good to try and increase, you know, representation in in managing and coaching roles, which you can't not. But will people want it to be happening naturally and generically? Will people be given a job on merit? Of course we would. In an ideal world, we would. But unfortunately, that's not the situation. So this is just maybe one aspect of maybe trying to address that. Um, Encouraging more former players instead of going into media to go into culture. Could the African nations themselves and the football associations, could they be be a bit more intentional then in hiring, making sure they hire local coaches? So look at Senegal, like they did with Alou Cisse. I mean, he's been a success. He's now a bit of a poster guy for what can be achieved when you go local. You could earn your stripes, you go to AFCON or the African Nations Championship and then managers get spotted. Yeah, I totally believe what you just said. Change starts at home. It definitely needs to start within, just to train, give these coaches the opportunity, but overall just build up like a strong ecosystem and sustainable business plan within your league, within your club, um, making sure managers get paid, make sure they have the right facilities, giving them the tools to, to get their culture and badges done, etc. and things like that. Europe is, you know, the land of milk and honey when it comes to football in particular. So yeah. they come over to learn, they trade and they maybe stay. But as recently today, for example, you mentioned that um, Ali C say he's doing a great job, but we also got Colo Torre, 
Obviously, he's not in Africa, but uh, he's assistant manager at Leicester City, just developing the trade and we've trying to go back to the continent. There are some Bay managers doing well in the big leagues already. So Chris Hewton, who you'll know, he's got Ghanaian roots. He's managed mm-hmm. multiple teams in the Premier League, Newcastle, Brighton. He's been very vocal. It only takes someone like him to just keep banging that drum. And we can start to change attitudes when more and more of those guys get the opportunities. Chris Hewton, he's a great example for everyone, not just in the BIM community, but in the wider footballing community. And he's an example to younger coaches about, you know, how to make your way in the profession and be a successful manager in that profession as well. Um, and his attitude, is, as knowing him personally, his attitude is just, he's just always willing to learn and give advice. Let people actually say, okay, if he can do it, then then I can do it, you know. When Barack Obama was president of the United States, everyone was like, oh, wow, like a black president, maybe one day I can become that. And we need similar examples in football. Or even coaches get into those positions. So to give encouragement to the younger generation. Or even footballers leaving football thinking, what am I going to do next? But again, it has to be done on merit. Absolutely. You've said to me in the past, you know, look at some of the best footballers on mm-hmm. the planet, some of the, the best footballers in history have been from Bain backgrounds and yep. you kind of went through a big list of them. So yeah. on that basis, there's absolutely no reason why the same shouldn't be said of some of our best managers. Not every, not every great footballer will be a great manager, but there's just a big disproportion between the ex-Bain footballers and those managers. So yeah, there is no excuse. There is no reason why they can't be. Oftentimes, so we've seen, for example, with great footballers like... Uh, Didier Drogba, uh, Samuel Eto'o, even George Weah, they've probably gone, well, they have gone into more diplomatic, political uh, spaces where they thought they can impact, have a great impact on the nation and the economy, which is fair enough. But definitely there are ample footballers who have the opportunity to be great managers, just given the, just given the time, the opportunities for them to learn their craft. That's Gabriel Ajala. Gabriel, a former England under-15 and under-17 international. He's of Nigerian heritage, living in England. Uh, Speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint. So many issues there. Uh, Gabriel saying that we have former black players as pundits on TV, but not as managers. Uh, That lack of exposure is one of the big problems. And uh, Stuart, besides Chris Hewton, there is a Wolves Nuno Espirito Santo. There's Sol Campbell. There's Colo Toure, assistant to Brendan Rodgers at Leicester, but not many other examples of BAME managers. Uh, BAME, again, standing for Black, Asian and Minority Ethnic. An interesting interview, Steve, on an important topic. And we did look at this uh, three years ago because in 2017, the Sportsperson's Think Tank report found that out of 550 elite coaching roles in English football, only 23 were held by Black or Asian coaches. That is 4% of the available positions, despite the fact that if you look at players, probably 25% of players are black or Asian. And the report concluded that it could be 30 years before managers are properly represented in the top echelons of English football. And the picture has not changed greatly, because there's only one such person in a top job in the Premier League. That's Wolves with Nuno Espirito Santo. But, you know, getting a top job as manager of one of the Premier League clubs is not easy for anyone. If you look at the top 10 current 
Premier League clubs in the league table. Only Chris Wilder at Sheffield United is an English manager, with Brendan Rodgers at Leicester City, who is from Northern Ireland, the only other British manager. So that's two out of ten British managers. Because these days, top clubs generally look for managers who've been the number one at a top club, and frankly, top clubs somewhere else in Europe. In the three divisions of the Football League, there are three Black or Asian managers. Keith Curl at Northampton Town, Dino Mamria at Oldham Athletic. Now, he's from Tunisia, but he played in England for 12 years, mainly at non-league level, and Saul Campbell, the old England defender, who's manager of Southend United. But another interesting person to mention is Brendan Rodgers' assistant, Colo Torre, the Ivorian. Now, Torre finished playing at Celtic, where Rodgers was manager and stayed on as coach and followed Rodgers to Leicester. I mean, we can think of some other people who have held managerial positions but are not currently in them, like Chris Hewton, who was mentioned, who was at Newcastle, Birmingham City and then Brighton for five years. Darren Moore, West Bromwich Albion, Chris Ramsey, Queen's Park Rangers. Uh, Gabriel mentioned Chris Powell, who had been manager of Charlton Athletic, Huddersfield Town and Derby County, and who is now assistant to Alan Pardew at Den Haag in Netherlands. But in addition to that, he has and has retained, despite going to Netherlands, a role under Gareth Southgate in the England setup. But I think the reality is that change will take time and that aspiring managers, whether black, Asian or white English, will have to be willing to serve their time as an assistant coach or even as a manager in the lower leagues before they will be considered for positions in the Premier League. Yeah, so Stuart and Gabriel Ajala agreeing that it will take time. Uh, What about this uh, Rooney rule then, Stuart, uh, where a BAME manager should be interviewed for these positions in football in England? You know, Steve, the one club which has followed the Rooney rule is Derby County in appointing Wayne Rooney to their coaching staff. Seriously, though, the problem with this idea that when managerial jobs are advertised, that a black or Asian candidate must be interviewed is that that is really not the way it happens. When Everton fired Marco Silva, they didn't advertise, draw up a shortlist and interview. They headhunted Carlo Angelotti. When Arsenal fired Uno Emery, they were never going to appoint anyone but Mikel Arteta. So the Rooney rule sounds nice in theory, but I don't think it's a practical solution. Well, yeah, sounds like it won't make that much difference. Uh, This picture in England reflects across Africa to some extent as well, with uh, European coaches still having some of the best jobs in Africa at club level and national team level. Uh, We did mention there the achievements of Aliou Cisse as Senegal coach. And good to see the other day Nigeria appointing their former captain Joseph Yobo as assistant coach of the senior national team. Well, asking for your thoughts this week on social media. What do you think can be done to have more black managers in European football? We heard there about the likes of Chris Hewton. He's of Ghanaian descent and has managed Brighton and Newcastle. Nuno is the current Wolves manager. But what can be done to have more black managers in European football? You can go to our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven. 7955232780 
Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Now to social media now, and a FIFA president Gianni Infantino last week proposed to the Confederation of African Football that the Africa Cup of Nations be held every four years instead of every two years. His reasons included the fact that the tournament generates only around about 5% of the revenue of the European Championship. We asked what do you make of Infantino's idea and should others be telling CAF when to play the Nations Cup or is it up to Africa to decide? Here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard. Thanks Steve and we start today on WhatsApp with Yaya Bar in The Gambia who says, to me it's no one else's business. It's up to CAF to decide where and when to play its Nations Cup. And Dela Akafia in Ghana agrees. Africa should make their own decisions by learning from other continents, says Dela. Moses Bebe Zuze in Zambia also agrees. We need to look carefully on this issue, says Moses. CAF needs to come together to decide. Efrathar Kamanga is in Malawi. CAF has its own African football president and we should be independent, says Ephrathar. Let Africans do what belongs to them. Above all, Mr Infantino wants our players to be used in European tournaments excessively, which is not good. Meanwhile, Abrima Manchester in the Gambia says, I don't buy that idea of holding it every four years. The competition will lose its attraction. However, Noble Botamani in Malawi disagrees. I think it's a good idea for AFCON to be played every four years, says Noble, but it's for Africa to decide. Daniel in Ghana has concerns about the tournament itself. Well, I think the excitement of the Africa Cup of Nations is gradually sinking, says Daniel. During the past decade, stadiums hosting CAF tournament matches have struggled to be even half full. Infantino's proposal will kill the spirit of African football forever. He is looking at revenues, but we are talking about the love for the game. He should bring ideas to raise the standard of the game in Africa instead of looking for profit, says Daniel. Amadou Jallo in the Gambia also feels strongly about this issue. We cannot be living by the dictates of these Europeans, says Amadou. First, they made us change the Nations Cup from January-February to June-July, and now they want us to make it every four years. No, Mr Infantino, leave us to decide on our own competitions. I'm totally against the proposal. I need the Nations Cup to remain the way it is, because I love it that way, says Amadou. And Stanley in Ghana agrees. This is unacceptable and should never happen in African football, says Stanley. We should maintain AFCON every two years. Waiting for every four years will kill African football. This suggestion should not even be looked at. Lamine Sonko in The Gambia is another with passionate views on this topic. It's high time that we as Africa be our own selves and not be dictated to by any foreign entities, group, association or whatever, says Lamine. CAF is the body leading African football and they've got more educated personnel who can decide the affairs of African football. The reason Gianni Infantino gave is feeble. 
It has ingredients in itself that some could take seriously, but in fact it's a mockery to us as Africans, and an intended sabotage to our football in general. In a nutshell, CAF should and must decide what's best for Africa, and when, where, what and how African football should be run. But Saja B. Conte in The Gambia thinks the FIFA president has a valid point. I think it's a good idea to play the AFCON every four years, says Saja, because it will help the African team's revenue and also help them to make more preparations as well towards the tournament. Secondly, it will also help some African players playing outside Europe's top five leagues as well. So for FIFA telling CAF to consider playing the AFCON tournament every four years, it's a good idea in my opinion, says Saja. And Essa Janet, also in the Gambia, agrees. It's a good decision from FIFA, as they are the global coordinator of football, says Essa. I think CAF should consider changing the timing of the Nations Cup, even without the interference of FIFA, in order to give more time for countries to prepare. Playing the tournament every two years, as we do now, makes it boring, and even puts pressure on nations, as they will be playing the qualifying round year in, year out, while at the same time trying to build a better team for the competition. Also, all the big continental tournaments like the European Championship, Copa America and Asian Cup are all played every four years. On the question of FIFA dictating to CAF, I don't think it's a big deal for FIFA to make recommendations to CAF on how to conduct the tournament because CAF is a continental football committee while FIFA is there to oversee all football activities across the world. But we'll leave the final word today to Emmanuel E. Shamaki in Nigeria, who gets straight to the point. For me, this is an act of killing the football passion of Africa, and this is never a good reason, says Emmanuel. So there you are, Steve, some very strong opinions being voiced today. And it's fair to say that most of the comments we received this week were totally against Gianni Infantino's proposal. It is interesting, though, that the strongest comments were made against FIFA's perceived interference into African football, rather than the concept of playing AFCON every four years. And it'll be interesting to see how CAF responds in the days ahead. Wow, some very strong comments there. And yes, we'll see what action CAF will take. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks to all who got in touch. Uh, So the mid-season break part two in the English Premier League this weekend. Only three games played last weekend, uh, six this weekend. And there's still some good talking points, Stuart. Last weekend, strong winds caused the postponement of Manchester City's game with West Ham. And incidentally, that was the first time in over five years that the famous English weather caused the postponement of a Premier League game. But that postponement causes real problems for Manchester City, who've still got 13 league games to play, in addition to which they are in the final of the League Cup, the last 16 of the FA Cup and the last 16 of the Champions League, making the reasonable assumption that they will progress in the Cup competitions. They have an awful lot of games still to play this season. With only three Premier League games played last weekend because of the winter break, Sheffield United and Everton were the big winners. Sheffield United are currently in fifth position, just two points behind Chelsea for the last Champions League place. A remarkable achievement for a club with the smallest wage bill, the smallest squad and remarkably, the club whose games produced the smallest number of goals this season. Now, last Sunday's opponents, Bournemouth, didn't really stand a chance 
against Sheffield United because Bournemouth have lost eight of the last nine games when the two clubs have played each other. Everton are now in seventh place. But the interesting thing is, if you do a league table starting at Christmas when Ancelotti was appointed, Everton have taken 17 points from eight games and only Liverpool have taken more points in that time. What a good appointment Ancelotti has been for Everton. And what a good but unlikely partnership he has formed with his temporary predecessor, Duncan Ferguson, the old Everton star. Angelotti, the cool tactician, and Ferguson, the fiery motivator. But it seems to work. Now, Steve, last weekend, Inter Milan beat AC Milan to go top of Serie A. And what is really interesting is that Inter are managed by Antonio Conte, the former Chelsea boss. And his team has a familiar ring to it because of the 14 players he used last Sunday. There was Victor Moses, Ashley Young, Alexis Sanchez, Romelu Lukaku and Christian Eriksen. Premier League legends, every one of them. Now, Steve, I want to tell you about a rather strange penalty shootout in the Japanese Cup. After a 3-3 draw between Kobe and Yokohama, the game went to penalties. The first four penalties were scored, that made it 2-2. Then the next nine penalties were all missed before finally Yamaguchi found the net to win the game for Kobe. Wow, what a penalty shootout. Thanks, Stuart. That's it for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, from Stuart Weir and Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.